Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I'm the founder of 1000 Hours Outside. And would you believe it? I am sitting across the screen from the beloved Sally Clarkson. Welcome. Oh, I am so happy to be here. I just can't wait to talk with you. Sally, this is winning me all the cool points with my friends. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Love, love, love what you do, though. It's just part of my heart. I just think it's wonderful. Sally, you're the sweetest. So we met this year at the Wild and Free Conference in Franklin, which is such a blast. Those conferences are phenomenal and very life-giving. And you had a line to meet you snaking (laughs) through the building, out the doors, all through these different doorways. And you had this beautiful tribute at that conference that one of your sons had made and voiced over. I think they had made it all together. It was old photos and voiceovers. And and it was just such a beautiful, beautiful conference. And then I got to spend a little bit of time with you after it was over. It was such a gift. So just so thrilled Mm -hmm. to have you on. You are a mother of four. You have dedicated your life to the art of mentoring women, encouraging mothers, and educating children. So what a gift. Um, And you have a brand new book coming out. Next week, but this will already be posted. So the book will already be out called Giving Your Words, The Life-Giving Power of a Verbal Home for Family Faith Formation. Congratulations. It's beautiful. And it was so much fun to be with you there at the conference. And now for us to be able to talk about this and things in your life, I'm just really looking so forward to this. Oh, you're so sweet. I had popped on your website, just kind of back perusing and getting ready for this interview. And I love how on your website, sallyclarkson.com, you just have this really big welcome. I'm so glad you've dropped by. <laughs> and it's it's you. It's mm. really true. And I remember oh. when I learned in the past couple years, maybe in the past 10 years or so, I always thought being hospitable was about your home. But then someone said hospitality mm. is about how you make people feel. That really changed my life. And I mm. thought that's you. You're hospitable in your demeanor. Oh. And you had such a beautiful welcoming this, you know, I'm so glad you're here. And if this is my digital front porch, I thought that was such a cool <laughs> phrase. So so you Thank are you. the same in real life as you are in all of the behind the scenes and all of the background things and all of the social media and the podcasts. And so it was such a breath of fresh air to get to talk with you. Well, we'll just have to have a cup of tea in Oxford sometime. You need to come sometime see Sometime in real life. So <laughs> I, one of my favorite parts of your book, giving your words was actually at the very end. And sometimes my husband, his name's Josh, he'll say, well, do you really have to read the whole thing? <laughs> That's what he says, you know, and I'm getting ready. And I'm sometimes my favorite parts come out at the very end. And I'm always so glad when I get there. But you have four kids and you talk in this book about having a, a verbal, a, a rich language at home. And then you at the very end, you have yourself and your husband and your four kids. And you talk about what they're doing and you have their list of accomplishments, their books and things. And I loved that part, Sally, because it was, and also, and also. So you had 28 books under yours. Clay has eight, your <laughs> husband. Miss Sarah has seven. And then it would say, and also blog, podcast, Patreon. So I just, <laughs> and you went through all the kids and they all had these, and also Joel had piano albums and choral compositions and Nathan has filmmaking and he's narrated the Green Ember series and Dr. Joy, who I have her new book, Aggressively Happy, which I love. I'm about halfway through. 
You know, she has a podcast and a Patreon. So it was so encouraging to see your grown children mm-hmm. and all of these things that they've accomplished. And so I got a lot out of your book that words open up opportunities mm-hmm. for our children. Yeah, they really do. Mm-hmm. They do. I think that so many sweet, wonderful moms, um, you know, I feel like when I was committed to doing all of this education at home and stuff. I was a pioneer. I didn't have anybody before me or behind me, but I was very idealistic because I thought I want to do it differently. You know, I I was restless in school. I was kind of bored. I'm probably the ADD person before uh, my children were. (laughs) And, um, but I look back now and I think everybody is so concerned about, oh, am I going to get the right activities or the right curriculum or the right this or that or the other? But we are people of words and words uh, form worlds and words stay with you forever. Mm -hmm. The voices, the messages that you give to your children are with all adults. I mean, mine, I'm almost 70 and I still hear some of the voices and the messages that my parents gave me. Um, And so I look back and I think um, a lot of people don't know that the most important part is having a personal relationship, making room. That's why I love what you do, because I think I mostly gave all my messages to my children because we walked, we are hikers, walkers, you know, goers, mountain climbers. And, um, but when you're intentional about understanding that words create destinies, they create a sense of, I have a story to tell. I matter. I am loved. I belong to this community. And so I feel like uh, it seemed obvious, but then I realized a lot of times we're so busy that we neglect Mm -hmm. to really be very intentional about words, messages, um, vision, you know, uh, convictions, all the things that words Mm -hmm. are. That's kind of what shaped our kids. It was the dinner time. Yeah. (laughs) And the lives of your children, you say authors of books, writers of screenplays, crafters of poems, builders of blogs and podcasts, speakers and debaters, performers, actors, post-grad students of imagination, theology, and literature. Now words have opened a lot of doors for your children in their adult lives. You know, I loved you had an intro from, is Emily Lay? Mm-hmm. And she talked in there about a little sentence about how much home matters. And that's echoed through all of your books. But that message really has been lost. And this message of the simple, right? You know, it's imperative. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that she said in the intro was, it is imperative to turn our eyes toward that which may seem so simple. Sometimes it seems too simple to matter. You've been a mama for right. a bit here. <laughs> so where do you think, when do you think, where do you think, how do you think that message got lost? that simple still works. Yeah, I think that, um, and you write about things like this too, but I think we have moved from personal and and human beings in front of us and, um, you know, that relational existence in life to technological, goal-oriented, measurable, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're kind of, how much influence do I have? How much? And real influence comes in the hidden moments, the many thousands of hidden moments that a child lives in developing their sense of world, their sense of people, their sense of message. And um, one of the things that I look back on when I think about our children developing into the people that they are today, I think that um, they they had a real unique sense of self because in being in our home and watching them show the things that they were interested in or reflect the their own unique talents and skills, they were quite free 
to develop in those areas without having to live up to somebody else's standards or compare themselves to anyone else. And um, we are a people mm-hmm. of words. You're not going to come to us for accounting, um, you know, or for building a house. <laughs> Everybody has their own strength. But um, it is interesting to me that because we felt like words are what really reach the heart, reach the mind, form, vision, and so on and so forth. We talked morning, noon, and night. We talked when they got up. We talked, you know, um, when we were in the car, when we were out hiking uh, at dinner times. That's why I talked about, you know, the the life giving table. That you have you have thousands of opportunities where people have to eat, and you might as well talk, um, you know, and, and make that a focused thing. But yeah, I, I just look back now and I feel like in order for us to pass on messages that are worthy of keeping. We have to be people who are storing up messages that are worthy of keeping. We have to be um, readers and, and memorizing things and surround ourselves with wise people and grow intellectually and um, grow in faith. And if we're storing up, then what we have stored in our hearts is what our children are going to draw from. So it, it helped me to become a better person. I'm much more educated because I took responsibility for wow. their education um, I'm much more careful mm-hmm. about my words. That's a big statement to say I'm I'm more educated because I took charge of their education. And I think so often it's just kind of a side note. I mean, we have people that do all sorts of types of schooling that listen to the podcast, but then a lot of people are mm-hmm. also homeschooling. And I think there is this misconception that you lose yourself oh, yeah. when you homeschool. But what a statement to say, I am, I yeah, feel the same course. way. I'm so different. I didn't grow hardly at all until we took that leap. And now there's been so much growth. Well, I didn't even know how much fun family could be. <laughs> I remember thinking, you know, I would have my children and and I would be really enjoying them. And I thought, oh, what a concept that your children and your life and discovering things together and and learning and growing and loving one another and cuddling up under the stars. You know, I didn't know that that's what family could be like because that's not what I had. So I think Mm -hmm. that it's kind of a, a, a journey of discovery and also of great blessing uh, to be able to grow into all these strengths that you can possibly have as a family, whatever educational choices you choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things you talk about in the book is how dialogue is a skill. Mm -hmm. And even Joy talks about that in, in Aggressively Happy about how there's this part of listening and she talks about improv. You know, you think that the best people at improv are funny and witty and super smart. And I'm sure that they are, but she talked about listening and how that's a huge component of it. How do we learn this skill of dialogue and asking good questions? Do you know, I, I used to say to my kids, because I wanted them to have the ability to be good at relationships, because relationships are mm-hmm. what fill our, you know, it's the oxygen of our heart to be loved. And so I did really simple, stop, look, and listen. Um, when you're with a friend, when you're with someone that's interesting, stop what you're doing, um, look into their eyes and try to see into their heart and listen to what they are trying to tell you. Listen to what they're telling you by their actions, by their words, and then draw them out. Ask questions. Uh, Say, uh, you know, really look at the human being as a person who has life to give, and then always leave somebody with some life that might encourage them. And so it was stop, look, and listen. And um, that was just kind of an easy little training tool. But I think that... uh, 
we're so distracted. And, you know, if you're doing this, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, you're losing them. You know, you, you are, you're not yeah. personally looking in their little eyes or their big eyes. <laughs> um, you're not perceiving what's going on here. They're saying this, but what are they feeling? And it's really just going back mm -hmm. to the old fashioned principles of relationship and, um, and mm -hmm. taking time to develop an individual relationship with each child and leaving them with a message of blessing. You are precious to me. I love mm -hmm. who you are. You make me giggle more than anyone. Um, you're so strong, you know, giving them words that will feed life into them their whole lives. Mm. One of the things that I really loved in the book was how then the kids start doing it to each yeah. other following your example, like toward the end where one sibling says to another, I've seen your courage. Oh, what a thing to get from a sibling. I love the way you weave words. I thought that was really a sweet thing, an outcome that can come in time if you're modeling that as a parent. And I thought that part was mm -hmm. so beautiful. I'm curious about, you talk a lot about how you weren't prepared. You didn't babysit. You didn't have all of these experiences to help you be prepared to be a parent. And you do say that all parents feel this way. And I thought that was just really helpful for me. I, that was in, a, I have a waking wonder too. So I kind of weave <laughs> them together, Sally, because I love, I have that one too. And I read that one. So how did you learn all of this and not learn it too late? Because you do talk about how we only have this right, small right. window of time. We don't get to do it over. You didn't have any practice. You say you entered parenting right. unprepared in a waking wonder. So how did you learn it, but not learn it too late? Well, I know that in your audience, there are people of many backgrounds and many ideals and so on. But um, I, I have questioned everything my whole life. And my parents always said, why do you have so many questions? And I would think, why don't you have any questions? <laughs> anyway, I, I was kind of questioning, you know, who is God? And, and, you know, I was questioning the universe and all these other things. But um, then when I really studied the life of Christ and I saw ultimately the thing he was the most was a mentor. Um, he walked mm. and talked. He, he made food for people. He took children in his arms. He washed, um, you know, 120 dirty men toes. And, um, and so I thought, you know, that that's my organic real live model for what I think leadership should be. And so the way that I learned to be a parent was had nothing to do with parenting, but it had to do with, I thought, okay, love seems to be an important facet that is, you know, I've read about a lot. And so I thought, how do I, um, greater love has no one than this than one lay down their lives. And so I thought, I guess if I want to pass on a life, I need to love them well, or I would serve them or I would make food and, or have fun or whatever. And so really I became a good parent by studying the lives of other mentors, even Socrates mm -hmm. and Plato and, and Jesus and his disciples and um, Helen Keller and her teacher. And I, would, I was taking notes my whole life about where does influence wow. come from? It comes from relationship, intentionality, um, encouragement. And so I really learned to be a parent by reading, studying, and then also following uh, the example of Jesus. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you talk in your book, 
And I had just recently read Jennifer Pepito's book, Mothering by the Book, which I I loved that too. I thought it's such an interesting concept and you kind of hit on it earlier that you have grown in these years, that these years have given you opportunity for such great growth. And so one of the things that you've talked about is curriculum. People ask you, your kids do all of these things with words. So people say, well, what curriculum do you use? And you just say, we're reading. And I loved this sentence, you know, that there is no curriculum that can make someone into a great writer if they have not filled their brain with great writing. And you echo this thing that books have impacted you as well while you're reading them to your children. I think sometimes people think, and I have as well, you're doing it just for them. Oh, no, 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 no. But a lot's happening for you. So I'd love to hear about that and maybe some of your favorites, some that have really impacted you over the years. When I look back, uh, we were living in in Vienna, Austria, uh, for a while when um, we both, I lived there as a single woman and I also lived, we lived there married. And, um, we realized when we lived there that a lot of the students that we knew from the university in, in Vienna, um, that mainly what they did was they would have to read and then they would have to justify what they'd read to their professors. That was their test. It wasn't multiple choice and fill in the blank. It wasn't getting some kind of exact right rules, but the goal was to teach them how to think. And so uh, um, by the time we finally got to our children and had a couple of years under our belts, we started thinking, there is not enough time in the world to expose them to the best authors, the best poets, the best um, faith books, the best uh, music. There's not enough time to do that and to do year-by-year curriculum. And not only that, I didn't think I could do curriculum for every child. So every child would do one year of math a year, <laughs> um, you know, just a curriculum because you have to learn line upon line and so on. But um, we would just pick a variety of subjects and books and um, we would ask questions. We would say, what did you think about that? Or or do you think that was right? Do you think it was wrong? And um, why don't you write a poem about what you read? Or why don't you write your own little book with staple papers together? Um, we talked about it in the car and at the table. But um, as I look back now, I think it really didn't matter that, you know, people think, what's the exact books you read? And I think there are so many wonderful, amazing books. And as long as you're laying down a love for learning and uh, an excitement to engage, and as long as you're valuing their opinion, then um, what they're going to do is they're just going to be readers the rest of their lives. It doesn't matter that you get every book or not. What matters is that you are investing in what is excellent, which is the best books, the best literature, uh, the Bible, the, you know, um, classical uh, writers, um, contemporary writers. And so my children were getting mm-hmm. all of their subjects from worldview to science, to history, to nature, to uh, all these different things, because we were just constantly reading out loud. And if we didn't like a book, we no. put it aside and got another one. Um, it's kind of, you have to trust mm-hmm. in, the potential that human beings with their brain and their wills and their personalities have that you have to trust that they can access great uh, deposits of intelligence by giving them a place to learn, to hear and to interact with. Mm -hmm. Wow. Eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals, every fresh, Never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. 
Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. This has changed my life in the past couple of years because of Jennifer Pepito's book. And then I talked to this man, his name is Alistair Humphreys, and he's this adventurer of the year, oh, National fun. Geographic. And he reads adventure oh. novels, fiction and nonfiction, but mostly I think real life <laughs> stories of people who have done these adventures. And I didn't even really realize that was a genre to read. And of course, oh, kids yeah. love that. They identify the heroes. Yes, for sure. So it's kind of a neat thing to think about making a shift there and having it be to include myself, what will inspire me as well as inspire my kids. And then I think I'm more likely to read because there are some fantastic stories out there. So this has been very inspiring to me to read about your story Mm -hmm. and to read about the success of your kids. And it's not all roses. (laughs) And it was really interesting to read Joy's book that there are ups and downs. And I think it's obviously good to know our kids is not going to have this completely smooth path, but it does give them a foundation for so many things to come. And you talked about how I didn't think about this at all. I have never thought about this. I've never seen anybody write about it. How when you give them words that it helps their imagination. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, I, I often think about this. um, C.S. Lewis actually writes about it, but you know, if I was, we were with one of our sons who's a musician at a concert once. The other kids were at home where one was babysitting and um, he saw this great music group. And uh, when the person got on stage, he said, it's like, you know, it's like, like my life is just like, like really, like really cool. And, um, and my son said, do you think he has a learning issue <laughs> or learning? Because you could say my life is sublime, uh, you know, difficult, very dimensional. There's so many words. The more words you have, the more ability you have Mm. to describe life, to feel life, to have dimension to your life. 
And and words actually really are the food that our brain longs for. Because with the multiplicity of words, your brain develops its muscle. It's kind of like when you, you know, lift weights, the more weight you can lift, the more strong your muscles mm-hmm. become. And uh, the more words you can lift with your brain, the stronger your mm-hmm. muscles of your brain become. We call it mental muscles. Right. I love that part. We were at we're at a little getaway for a couple of days. It's my husband's birthday. And so we're on the shores of oh. Lake Michigan, which is just gorgeous, but we're off season. It's October. So everything kind of shuts down. It's a little bit of like a ghost town, but it was in the sixties oh. yesterday. So the kids go in the water, you know, they do their, <laughs> what you do when you live and it's cold, they're jumping in, it's freezing. <laughs> and we had forgotten all our beach toys. We're here with three families and everyone forgot beach toys. And so for a little bit, there's grumbling, oh, where's the beach toys? And the kids are a little upset, but then they went off and found driftwood and they made a boat. You know how kids are. They're so inventive. And I was thinking about just this concept of imagination and how when we're reading to our kids and then they go play, they have so much more to work with because we've given them so many words. Because the the capacity that children have to to grow in intelligence, no matter if, uh, you know, even if they have issues in their lives, like one of my children had dyslexia. And um, and yet reading out loud, um, he was on a plane once to visit from one of his friend's house to our house. And um, I read this story about him and what he said to the airline stewardess. And one of my <laughs> editors said, I don't believe that. I don't believe that he could talk with that kind of vocabulary. That sounds like you made it up. And I think what I really realized is that kids are capable of telling profound stories with excellent vocabulary if that's Mm. the food of their brain. But um, people are so Mm -hmm. not used to hearing children or teenagers um, be able to be descriptive about life. And I thought, I I don't just make up stories in my books. You know, I don't just, you know, put words (laughs) in their mouth, you know. But it it did dawn (laughs) on me that we have access to all of this power and fun through words. And um, our children enjoy it. Our children love being able to be proficient at describing things and entering into worlds. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Joy's book is so beautiful. So I loved, I read it on the tale of your book because you have given words and then she wrote this book and it just came out this year. So it was actually fun to sort of see that progression. And it's almost like I could see the foundation, a little bit of Mm -hmm. the background story. So it was a really neat order to read the books. And you talk about these different traditions Mm -hmm. that you have, family day and family graduation party. And I love the glimpses that we get into other people's lives where we can kind of try different things and try them on for size. Actually, you talk about how home is Mm -hmm. like a laboratory. And I loved that that language. Like, hey, try some stuff. I'm thinking like beakers and (laughs) things smoking and I'm going to try this or I'm going to adjust a little bit here. Can you tell us about some of your traditions, like your birthday breakfast tradition that helped you infuse words into childhood? I it's one of my favorite things that we do that in family day um, because they're, they're, it's all about everybody giving their words. They, they give their words back. But um, on, on their birthday, uh, we always have birthday breakfast just with our family or whoever's staying with us, which is often a lot of people. And um, after we have the cinnamon rolls and the, you know, I wrap everything, even if it's a pencil, um, you know, we have a lot of fun leading the child down the stairs in a blindfold but then, uh, and I never knew how Aww. serious my children would be about this, but uh, we would go around the table and everyone at the table 
the the goal was to bless the birthday child. And so we would say, we want each of you to tell the birthday child a way that you've appreciated them or something you've seen them grow in or a way, a skill that they have. We want, we want to leave this child with a gift of our great communication, our loving communication. And I thought it would take a while to train this in. Not at all. My children took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. And literally, almost from the first year, they were saying, you know, you shared all your toys with me when they were very little, or or you read a story to me, it made me feel good or whatever. But then as they got older, <laughs> they would go into, you know, several paragraphs of the creativity with which you wrote the, wrote the book, you know, really inspired me. Or And um, so somewhere deep inside the souls of my children are thousands and thousands of words that were given over the lifetime of all the birthdays. Mm. And then after we gave the words, um, we prayed for the person. Everybody in the whole room would pray something for blessing, for encouragement, for goodness. And you could almost see their little Mm -hmm. hearts, you know, um, filling out. Oh, they really like me. I'm a part of this group that I belong to, and and they think I have value. So that's one of them. Um, There's just so many. I don't know if I'm going on too long about this. (laughs) No, I think these are amazing. People want to know about them. And actually, it's um, we always read the Proverbs of the day. So today is October 12th. And one of the ones says, anxiety, something like anxiety in a heart, anxiety right. weighs you down. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but an encouraging word lifts him up. Life. Yeah. Yes. So to have that as such a beautiful tradition. And then you would do something similar for graduations, you're giving words. And then I had read you had given opportunity for them to give their own words. What are you expecting mm-hmm. for the coming year? What are some of your hopes and dreams and desires? And how are you hoping to grow an mm-hmm. annual family day? Uh, family day was fun because, um, you know, we would always start out with, I make these cinnamon rolls and um, cheesy eggs and all the stuff, all the calories, all the fat that you never, you know, believe in, but it's so much fun. And um, and then we would read a, a story about Joshua. Joshua um, made all of the people gather these big stones and pile them in the river as a witness to um, the opening of the Red Sea and the opening of the you know, where he was. He is a whole different story. And um, so we said, we're going to leave memorial stones that will be kind of a history of our whole family. And we're going to look back in the last year. So we would then go up to the mountains and eat fried chicken and brownies and a hike and, you know, do all these fun things. And then we would come home that evening and it would say, okay, what, as you look back on your year last year, what are the ways you can see the fingerprints of God in your life? Um, What are the ways... Um, you've seen that you really do have some things to be thankful for because some years they would there'd be some great tragedies and difficulties and would talk about that, mm-hmm. would write that in the history. But we always said, but you know, if you look back, you're gonna see that you weren't alone, that that there were other people to be thankful for, that God was working in your life. Wow. And so they learned to to give their words about those things and to give a sense of history to their lives, and they can go back to all of our notebooks and see all of the things, all the ways throughout all the years that they um, could really see that they, they had divine intervention, so to speak. They weren't alone. They were great things. There were things to be thankful for and a sort of a Clarkson family Mm -hmm. history with, you know, once say I made a friend this year or, or, you know, I got to speak in a debate or whatever, but it was kind of a, Oh, Mm -hmm. it really was a good year. Even when we had terrible years, 
there would be a history of goodness within mm. the year. Mm, I love that. That's sort of how I felt when our kids were small and we would go adventure. And I took a lot of pictures because when I would get home, I kind of felt like it was an awful day. Everyone was crying. <laughs> but then I would look at the pictures mm-hmm. just from that one day. And I would, oh, no, there were some really sweet moments along the way. And we really got to connect. And so that's a beautiful idea to have that as a family tradition to remember the milestones of the year and to write them down and to look back and you can see your path. Like if a new friend came in, I like that one, you know, maybe six, seven years down the road, then you have that memory of, of when did that happen? And, Uh, and then you forget, Oh, I did, I did have friends. (laughs) Sure. sure. Someone liked me. (laughs) Oh, you talk in this book and in other books about counting the cost. And I thought it was such an important part because, and I'm trying to find it here in my notes. I have so many notes because I loved this book so much. So this is part of the problem. When I really love a book, then I have an overabundance of notes and then I can't really find what I'm trying to find. But you talk about the practical costs and how there's no neutral time of child development. And I think it's such an important thing to reiterate. I had a friend, some of my kids didn't sleep through the night for a while. (laughs) You can't sleep through the night. (laughs) And one in particular took quite a while. And I remember thinking she should be sleeping by now and she wasn't. And I had a friend who told me that her little son didn't sleep through the night until he was four. Yeah, mine too. And I just thought, well, I'm not going to survive. But I also was so glad that she told me that because it made me feel more normal. And then my little girl did start. She was four. She was four and a half. And she finally did. And here we are. And now I get to sleep. (laughs) But at the time, I think it's so good when people are truthful Mm -hmm. about what they should expect and about what they are experiencing. So can you talk a little bit about what does it take? You talk about the time and the cost and the attention and the energy and the the long term. It's a marathon. Just so moms can feel a little bit more normal. I was actually thinking about it this past week. I had um, I have a group of women I mentor here in Oxford, and um, someone came over with their children, and within you know the first half hour, uh, they had broken a vase, um, spilled a, a cup of something. <laughs> you know the, they had poured out the, these puzzle pieces, three different puzzles. All over the ground, and uh, you know, I mean, it was kind of like, oh yeah, I remember this, um, and uh, <laughs> you know, and I think that um, sometimes in the midst of that, or you know, you're reading something profound, and and the child says, "He touched my toe," you know, or whatever it is. Um, and some days you just don't feel up to it; you're exhausted because it's relentless. This schedule of raising kids. I think that what I would want to say is that the way to keep going forward is to continually. It's words. Renew your vision. Why are you doing this? What is the result? Mm. Because human beings really are shaped by what they receive, especially in the first four years. And then to be able to be in a protected environment where they're just free to play and roam and learn and think and build and create is such a gift. And uh, we are shaping the destiny of um, our our own places, our own countries, our own traditions Mm by investing today. And even if it doesn't look to you like today was an important day, you'll be surprised at what your child remembered. Mommy, you were so patient with me Mm -hmm. or, or um, wasn't that dog the most beautiful piece of art that Jesus made or, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's the daily Mm -hmm. stick to it. Um, My son and I were talking this morning about a hard situation that we're kind of involved in here. And he said, 
he said, you know, you, you think about the word patience, but he said, if you think about the concept of long suffering, he said, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that's suffering for a very long time and being willing to do that with people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the word. I thought, Long you know, suffering. that's yeah. kind of like parenting, the marathons, the teenage hormones, the two-year-old, mm-hmm. I will not, uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, I look back now and it, it was continually reading, reminding myself that this is a stewardship that I have of the lives of human beings who will someday reflect back what was mm. Um, put into their lives. And I I often say to people, I have earned every gray hair that I have, and I've got all gray hairs. (laughs) Um, It is, it is a a cost, but um, if not Mm -hmm. us, if, if the very parents who have these children don't develop vision and awaken the wonder and care deeply about the shaping of souls, we are gardeners of souls, um, then who will? Mm -hmm. And, and souls, and minds right. don't become rich without great investment. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And I, I just got so much out of it. Recognize the battle that this is a it's long, hard. <laughs> this is a long time. It's a whole, you say in a waking wonder, a whole lot of work for a very long time. I had no but idea. It's good to know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm still doing it. And I think, oh, I guess I never yes. get to have a vacation. Well, I've been talking because I'm in this stage, our oldest is 14, almost 14 and a half. So we're in all my friends, we're starting to sort of think toward what's coming next. So I've been talking to all my friends that are five, 10 years down the road. And they say is a lot of work, you know, you're bringing in these in laws, and you got grandkids. But it's good to know. Because then you just feel like, okay, well, this is normal. It's a lot of work. And that's, I'm not doing something wrong. I think sometimes we think when things are hard, we must be doing yeah, it wrong. Yeah, just because it's hard. And no, it is very hard. And I think the worst thing is that most of us have to do it alone. We were made to have grandmas and cousins and aunts and uncles and next door neighbors who would be a part of shaping our children. And unfortunately, we're living in a world where we can't even trust our neighbors. We live far apart from our families. And um, that puts right. a lot of burden on parents and That's why I say a part of the education of my children um, was saying, okay, I can't take any more. And so we would jump in the car and I would find a very long road to a frozen yogurt place. And we would just put a book on tape in the car and listen. And then we'd go running wherever we went. And um, just to know, you know, we, we are human Mm -hmm. beings too. And we run out of fuel and you can't really continue if you don't continuously fill back even in fun and special and beautiful ways. And that's why I love what you do. Outdoors is what really keeps me going. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's 
Price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchap.com slash outside120 code outside120. When the skies open up, while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Yeah. And you say that in the book. I love that part. The outdoors. So we could talk about the walking and the talking, Mm -hmm. but I want to find, hopefully I can find it in my notes. Oh, Sally, if only your book wasn't quite so good, then (laughs) I wouldn't have all of these notes. You are so encouraging. You made my day. (laughs) Okay, I'll go back out and fight the battle now because Jenny encouraged me. (laughs) You're so sweet. But you talked about how of the walking and the talking. And actually, there is this woman named Katie Bowman. She talks a lot about movement. And she has this whole concept. I found it. Outdoors is my own heart's delight. Walking miles every day is my beloved habit. My children have literally walked thousands of miles with me. But this Katie, she talks about this concept of stacking your life that really we don't have enough time to do all of the things that we need to do unless we sometimes meld them together. And so this walking and talking, you're getting your fresh air and then you're also using it as a chance to build relationship with your kids. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, okay. So you have to know that I said earlier, I had this I had a grid that said mentoring must be intentional. So from, you know, watching Christ, serving people, loving people, giving words of truth and, and virtue. And, and so um, I was always doing that. I was always thinking about how to leave them with something good right now. But then um, I also love to walk. I'm, it just is a, it's just something I have to do. I, I go for usually two to three miles in the morning and then I make up some of it during the day because this is a walking culture and whatever I haven't done, I go out and walk at night uh, or right before uh, the sun sets. And so I started thinking, I mean, even from the time my kids were really little, I got a single stroller, then a double stroller. And then, you know, now they have the walking boards, but um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of watching my daughter, Sarah's three children who live here. And we were <laughs> like this too. Those kids, they're four, two, and one, and they can walk miles. They can walk miles and miles, and we go miles together. We go around the lake. We go on the bridge where the trains are. We go to Port Meadow. We go by the river, and they are conditioned and love. You know, this morning I had the kids over, and 
they were gathering wildflowers and they had this huge bouquet, you know, and they stole a few flowers from, you know, people's front little places on the sidewalks. Um, but as they're going, we're saying, I wonder what kind of flower that is. And, and, you know, I really love to see when you share with, with your um, brother, because that's, that's a really wonderful thing to do. And, you know, I was thinking the other day when I saw an eagle like that, you know, what it, whatever it was. And during the teenage years and during the college years, I would have these downtown Saturday breakfasts that, um, and I would, with my boys, it was on Mondays and I would take them out for long hikes and walks and if I applied them with a donut or coffee or something that, you know, they we normally didn't eat during the week, then I had the right to kind of speak into their lives. And we have the jolliest, wow. most wonderful times. We still do it. Every week I do it with one of my adult wow. kids here, each of them at a wow. different time. And um, yeah. through our walks, wow. and we have favorite benches in the parks, and we go in the river and we go in the canals. But um, I have this opportunity to leave them with a legacy mm-hmm. and an encouragement of words. And my kids aren't perfect wow. and they push back against me and they complain sometimes and um, they have personalities and issues too. Um, but it gives us kind of, uh, you know, it's a recreational thing you do. You're out walking doors. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's not eye to eye. It's less um, threatening. It seems like a conversation. You can open up yeah, more. It I is think. a conversation. <laughs> Yeah, it is. But you feel like you can open up more when you're just kind of strolling along and you're next to each other and the things come out. Maybe that's the next book, um, Mentoring by Walking or Walking by Mentoring or something. Yes. (laughs) Yes. No, I actually think that's fantastic because it is there is something about not being eye to eye and strolling and you feel good. It's not a lecture. It's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And Jody Maccabee, I'm not sure if you know her, but she just wrote a book called The Whole and Healthy Family. And so she has this idea. Actually, it's coming up a lot, Sally, because we had this man named Dr. Chris Winter on our podcast. And he said, one of the best things that you can do for your nighttime sleep is to walk to school. Yeah, exactly. So it's basically like this get up and move, get up and walk. And Jody Maccabee says that's what they do that they get up and they go, they come back and have breakfast after, and it sets their mood for the day. So th- this concept of walking and getting up and moving and moving in the morning and having that morning sunlight exposure is coming up so often and it's changing lives. I'm getting messages from families that we're doing it. We're getting up and going. And I like yours, you're peppering it in throughout the day. You're ending your day with that. So you're getting that full spectrum of color, the color change that is in nature and giving you all these opportunities for conversation. Well, I kind of want to say one more thing too, living in Oxford because we have no car. Um, and some days mm-hmm. it's uh, very, very rarely does it snow, but it's some days it's, you know, it's 28 degrees and it's raining sideways mm-hmm. and it's blowing and you learn, mm-hmm. oh, I can walk anytime. I can walk in terrible weather. I have to get my groceries. Yes. I have to go see my friend. And um, I think that our capacity to do physical exercise is far beyond our knowledge of how much we can do. And uh, I would just say, you know, start out small, do what's important and fun for you, but it does become addictive. It's so good for you. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, what you said about your grandkids tying into the very beginning of when we started talking is there are these immeasurable things that are still important. And those are hard because you cannot check the box and you can't show it Mm -hmm. off. 
but they're still important. So when you talked about stamina, that these young kids can walk for miles, that's a thing. Grit, your resilience, dealing with cold temperatures and blowing winds. That's you know? a thing. <laughs> they're not coddled. Yeah. Um, you know, they really, the other day we were walking up this big bridge and I, I think it was like 120 steps. And, um, you know, we, wow. uh, we were carrying the, the baby, but um this little two-year-old was holding on to this. I can do it. I can do it. You know, made it all the way up and held all the way back wow. down. And, you know, we got to sit at the top wow. and watch trains. And um, I think that uh, children and adults are much more capable of doing some of these things. Um, than yeah, confidence. And those are the things that you cannot measure. It's not part of the second grade curriculum or the preschool curriculum is how far can you go? How far can you push yourself? You learn what your body is capable of. So what a beautiful way to learn it through walking. I actually just read this book called The Comfort Crisis. Mm-hmm. And the author was talking about walking and how it's just the perfect things. It's not hard on your joints. Mm-hmm. He talked about how um, a lot of times we're like meant to be carrying people. And uh, like we carry things, carrying people like babies, but also just we're meant to carry. And so he talked about throwing a little bit of weight on your back, like a rucksack, which I thought was super interesting. And how even if you put a little extra weight on your back, it's still so much muscle mass. It kind of is building that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still easy on your joints. And so just this whole thing about how we're meant to walk. And actually, I read the Blue Zones book. (laughs) You're doing a lot of reading. It sounds like you're becoming educated. Which is about people who live to be in their hundreds. (laughs) People who live to be in their, you know, into their hundreds. And all of these cultures, it was miles of walking a day, five, 10, you know, maybe that was the upper limit was five to 10 miles a day in these different cultures and of walking. And that's what you said too, when we were talked about this a little bit at the conference and you were talking about how you get in these amount of miles. It was very similar to that Blue Zones book, the amount that you're getting out and walking and it's opening up so many doors for conversation. But and yeah, that's the one thing I wanted to say as far as giving your words. Um, if you if you seek to make it a time of encouragement, fun, pleasure, what have you been thinking? I've been reading the greatest book or whatever. I mean, I feel like a lot of our education, when people say, what writing curriculum did you use? And I think, Clarkson conversation. <laughs> you should tell them that. Yeah. That's what you should say. And then they're going to go look it up. Well, I know. They're it's gonna try and find it. Well, we, we read and we talked. I mean, all we do is yeah. talk. Oh, my goodness. One time, one of my kids said, are the teenagers just going to talk all night again? You know, <laughs> the teenagers in our house, that is. But the answer would always be, yes, they are. They have a lot to talk about. The Clarkson Conversation Curriculum. <laughs> it's very alliterative. <laughs> I love that answer. Can you tell us a couple of the words that still speak to you? I actually took a picture of one of the pages in the book near the beginning and I sent it to my mom because my mom is real big on these little quips. She's always had them. One of the ones she says is, let your smile be your umbrella. She has a lot of them, actually, dozens. And I think of that one all the time is whenever I'm uncomfortable, even at that conference, I did the MC and I was not comfortable doing that. Oh, you were just a natural. You were so good at it. I was just watching you thinking... What an amazing skill set she has. <laughs> <laughs> I've hardly done it. was definitely really, your umbrella. <laughs> that's what. That's a thing. And so when I go up there, I think of these things. And I had just read, I read it a long time ago, but I'm finally reading the book. N.D. Wilson has a book, Death by Living. And one of his quotes is, <laughs> "Great title. it's a good book. A life well lived is always lived on a rising scale of difficulty. Hmm. 
So when things are hard, then I think, well, this is a well-lived life, I guess. guess So I have these little ones in my mind. So what are some of yours? I know you talked about a story from Christmas a long time ago with your mother, but what are some of the ones that, that you grab onto? Right is always right, even if no one is doing it. Wrong is always wrong, even if everyone is doing it. And um, Ooh, that's a good one. Not a good one. And even even a fool. This boy, did I use this a lot? Even a fool seems to be wise if they keep their mouth closed. You know, <laughs> you don't have to tell everybody everything you think about them. Um, <laughs> a gentle answer turns away wrath. And um, yes, we, soft speech yeah. breaks the most bone-like resistance. Yeah, it's a good one. And um, mm-hmm. love covers a multitude of sin. I mean, I, I just said to my kids all the time, you know what? Everybody's broken. We're all going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You've got to forgive and you've got to give grace. Don't you want somebody to give that to you? So mm-hmm. um, love is a perfect bond of unity. So there, there are just many, many, many. Yeah. And um, my children say that they hear them all the time. So wow. anyway, I'm sure there are wow. many more, but um, I do think, again, words matter and giving a legacy mm-hmm. of messages. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing I want to say mm-hmm. is if if you have a trouble with anger, we understand. All of us, I think I've gotten angry at least once, <laughs> well, <laughs> many times, but um, try to really be aware of the fact that anger can also, anger, judgment, criticism can leave a legacy that you don't want to leave because all of us know that we're not perfect, but all of us live better if somebody gives us hope and unconditional love, forgiveness and grace. Yes. Yes. I got that out of your book too. And you talked about, there's so much else in here. So I can't wait for people to read it. You talk about how the parental influence that our words are the ones that our kids are going to seek out first. You talk about launching your children. You talk about the importance of beauty. There is so much in here. So giving your words, the life-giving power of a verbal home for family faith formation. I just so thoroughly enjoyed it. I got out practical ideas, Mm -hmm. things that make me think, things that I'll come back to so much. It comes out on October 18th. Is that correct? Launch on October 18th. So people want to buy that book and, and add it to their family to their family shelves because it's such a beautiful one to add it to their collection book number. Yes. Of the Clarkson books. Um, And then if people want to connect with you in other ways, Mm -hmm. you have a lot to offer. You have over 650 podcast episodes. Can you tell us real quick, some of the other ways that people can connect with you? Um, The the main thing I love to do is podcast at, um, at home with Sally. I have so many, my, all of my assistants named everything. So I have to think about it because they weren't my, mm-hmm. but um, uh, at home with Sally. Which is beautiful. At home with Sally. That's what I said with your website. Welcome. I'm glad you've <laughs> dropped by. It's a great name oh. because you do feel at home with you, you even if we're not in your home. So I love that name. The at home with Sally podcast, over 650 episodes, just Beautiful information after beautiful information. So that's fantastic. But there's more. Um, we do have a membership, but it's just because my friends and I wanted to recommend books and ideas and uh, artists and musicians. And so Life with Sally is a place where you can come to get um, every month a new unit, um, a Bible study, a, a mentoring from me, um, recipes, just just fun things to make your home a more inspired place. Uh, you can just find all of this at sallyclarkson.com 
And um, yeah, I just, I love what you do. I, I feel like all of us need friends like you who encourage us, mm. who give us grace, who give us hope because it is a, a marathon. It's an accomplishment if you make yeah. it through. Um, but it, it also helps to have uh, friends that encourage you along the way like you have. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Sally. Well, we always end our show the same way. So I have a final question for you. And it is, what is a special, a favorite, a standout childhood memory that you made in nature? Oh, well, <laughs> we once were going on a hike and we were new to um, this particular part of Colorado. And to make a very long story short, this guy that we had run into when we were walking out one day said, oh, you should go up this ridge. And then it's just a nice little hike. And I think you can make it in about 45 minutes. I, I bike it in about 20 minutes. You can make it in 45 minutes. This turned into, we we took a wrong turn. We went up to the top in the <laughs> national forest. And um, six or eight hours later, the sun was going down. The coyotes were coming out. Oh, oh, oh. Um, you know, we were carrying my four-year-old half the way and this, it was beautiful. Actually, it was memorable because we got to go through caves and all these different places. Mm -hmm. And a guy on a motorcycle drove up in the mountains where we were. He was just out and about. And he said, what are you doing out here? It's dangerous after dark because our cell phones wouldn't work. And he went back on his motorcycle into town and brought his Jeep and our dog and all of us piled into his Jeep. (laughs) And he took us home. It was this kind of long-haired guy, and you know, he had on dark wow. leather, and he was just the nicest guy in the world. And that was kind of the kids look back on that and remember when the coyotes almost ate us? Well, they, they really didn't. <laughs> but it was a six and a half hour or seven hour, whatever hike wow. that we um, didn't intend, but are so glad to be able to tell about it now. Wow, John Acuff says it'll either be a success or a story, yeah. <laughs> and I love that. Uh, that's kind of both that's a success and a story. Take us just a couple decades back. How about from your childhood? Something from your childhood in nature that stands out um, mm-hmm. an outdoor memory from your childhood. I just remember climbing trees a lot. I had only brothers, and um, I was the youngest, and I had been very uh, premature. I was a little bit over two and a half pounds. And so my mom would never let me do anything. So I never complained about being sick or having a cold or whatever, but I would climb up in the high trees and look down upon my brothers where they would be playing with their friends. And I would look for a moment when I could say, hey, you guys, look at me up here. So I, it's funny, but I just remember climbing trees. <laughs> I love that. Sally, thank you so much for being so life-giving oh. for this beautiful book, for all that you offer to parents around the world mm. that are helping them in the day-to-day and helping them to leave a legacy. I really appreciate your time here, but also all of the other things that you're doing all the time. Oh, I have loved being with you. We're going to have so much fun when we get to actually be in the same place again. Yes, <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. 
I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.